we thank you that when we open up your word on every page, every single page, it's a message of your love for us. How great your love is. Lord, our very souls were created to respond to that love. Our souls to come awakened at the knowledge, but not just the knowledge, Lord, the experience, the encounter of who you are, Jesus. The living God, the one who restores, the one who has set things in motion and keep things sustained and it breaks through our barriers and reaches our hearts. How great your love is, Lord. It is endless. It is indescribable. It doesn't end. It is like an ocean in which we drown in. How great your love is, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that upon the cross you have proven with such command just how great the love of God is. And this morning, Lord, as your word is open, Jesus, and as we look at you upon the cross, may we have an encounter of that love again to just know how much you love us. We're here to follow you. We're here to meet with you. May we continue to worship in the way we read, listen to, and apply your word this morning. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. You can take your seats. It's my absolute joy this morning to open up the Word. Last week we started a series through the seven words from the cross. Uh, Seven short statements that Jesus made. Some of them were prayers, some of them were just exclamations. Uh, His shortest sermon, if we would want to call it that. His shortest moment of discourse from the cross and how each one of these carry incredible and immense depth and love and revelation of the kingdom and how it is an invitation to us still today. Last week I spoke about the disconnected, the deliberate and the despondent that found themselves, uh, sorry, the, the dictators who found themselves amongst the cross and around the cross. And when Jesus was praying, Father, forgive them, he wasn't just praying for those who surrounded him, he was praying for all of our hearts that so quickly become ignorant to who God is. And this morning we're going to get to the second word, and I'm excited to share this message this morning. Conversations is a part of life. Uh, we all have them every single day. Uh, maybe not every day with a person, but at least sometime during the day on your phone. But maybe, if not even that, you at least have some kind of conversation with yourself throughout the day, in your mind, in the way you think. And uh, hopefully your conversations throughout the day is conversations of prayer where you speak to God. So conversations is just a, a part of life. We cannot get away from it. And when we read the Gospels, we find out that Jesus was the great con- conversationalist. He just had this ability to converse around things and use conversation to bring his kingdom. He had conversations with his disciples, with crowds, had conversations with his enemies, with his nemesis, the devil himself. He had conversations with the Father. And in each of these conversations, if we just pause and, and, and try with, to see what's below the surface, what's happening in this conversation, we find just incredible depth in the words of Jesus. And even on the cross, there's one recorded conversation that Jesus had. Yes, he was praying to the Father, 
and had conversation with the Father, but there was a moment where he also commanded his disciples, which is the third, uh, the third uh, word which we'll look at this, next week. But there was a real interactive conversation on the cross, which brings me to the second word that we're going to read together about today. So please open up your Bibles in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to be reading verses 39 to 43. It'll be up on the screen if you want to follow there. Even better if you can follow in your Bible and uh, underline it and make notes as to what this means to us today. So let's read together. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. My prayer is today that as we look at this conversation... That the conversation you're going to have in your own heart, the conversation of prayer that you're going to have with God and with Scripture and in this room will reveal something of how great the love of Jesus is in a fresh way to you today. This represents so much. It's not just about the sinner that was hanging next to Jesus that got saved, but it echoes into our life story today and teaches us some incredible truths about Jesus of course, Jesus' last conversation with a human on the cross would have been with a sinner. Of course, this is what it would have been. Of course, Jesus didn't just carry a cross onto Golgotha to be there completely by himself, but Christ was there between sinners. And at the cross, at the very cross in the last moment, he comes to exclaim once again that my ministry is a ministry of reaching sinners. Christ between sinners on the cross. Sometimes when we imagine Jesus on the cross, we see the single cross. And it's, yes, Jesus, you and me and what you've done for me. But of course, he wanted to use this very last moment that he is alive to be between sinners. This has marked the story of Jesus' entire ministry. In fact, he was hanging out with sinners so much that the Pharisees couldn't stand it. The Sadducees couldn't stand it. Those who were reading the law and being stuck into the religion of the day did not understand and they could not stand the fact that Jesus wanted to be between sinners all the time. And here on the cross, by his design and by God's perfect laid out plan, Jesus once again finds himself between sinners. He made it very clear, I didn't come for the healthy. I came to seek and save the lost. I came for the lost sheep. I came for those who are yet to be found, the lost queen, the lost sons. Because in my house there are many sons referencing the, the story of the people of Israel who were the people of God. But even those sons themselves could be lost not knowing what God has for them. So of course Jesus 
would die between sinners. That was the very message of the cross. And then we see two very different conversations take place. Before the conversation takes place between Jesus and the one sinner, there is a conversation between the two sinners, first of all. The one challenges Jesus, and he joins the sound of the rulers who said, well, if you are God, if you are the Messiah, why don't you save yourself? He's probably hanging there in his misery, remembering going through the exact same pain. He's hanging on a cross next to Jesus, waiting to die, and he would have the arrogance to say, well, if you're the Christ, get me off here. Prove yourself to me. The sinner on the other side decides not to join the mockery. And he tunes this other guy who's challenging Jesus. He says, don't you get it? The two of us are hanging here because we have to. Both of us are condemned to a cross because of what we've done. But the one hanging beside us, Jesus, is completely innocent. He doesn't need to be here like we are. And then he says a phenomenal, important question in this moment. Don't you fear God? And in that moment, the fear of the Lord becomes real. We sing this song, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace, my fears relieved. This man was hanging next to Jesus, knowing that Jesus is completely innocent, but yet he hangs here dying for the sinful world. And he says, this moment causes something in my heart to say, oh, God, you are far greater far more powerful, far more in control, far more indescribable than what I can imagine. So how do I even, even dare to raise my voice in arrogance and mockery? And he tells the other sinner, how dare you do this? I love the, void, the, the, the words that this sinner chooses. He says, remember me in your kingdom. And here's the difference between the two sinners. The one just wanted to get off the cross. The other one wanted to be in the kingdom of God. And it made me pause this week to think, how many times do I just want to get off the cross? I just want to get out of the difficult moment. I just want to get out of the pain. But there's a greater prayer to pray. It is the one where you say, God, I want your kingdom. I want to pursue your kingdom. I want your kingdom to be the reason that you get me off the cross of my own walk in life when I face trials and suffering and tribulation because your kingdom is of far greater value to me than me just getting out of my demise. Sinner 1 said this, if you are God, get me off this tree. Sinner 2 said this, because you are God, I want to be where you are. Completely different perspective on the cross in this moment. I want to be where you are. And then Jesus responds with only a few words. The first thing that Jesus does in his response is he gives him a double assurance of salvation. It wasn't enough for Jesus to just say, okay, let it be so, yes. He wanted to give the sinner 
a double assurance of salvation. Who of you needs a double assurance of salvation here this morning? We've sang it, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Yet we walk through this journey of life and there are these moments where especially the accuser of the brethren loves coming to stand and accuse us and say, hmm, you think you are saved? But the words of Jesus isn't just ringing true to the sinner next to him who cried out. It's ringing true to us today with a double assurance. Jesus says, truly, you will. Not just you will or truly, but I'm going to give you a double assurance in this moment as you are about to die. And you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus uses words. You see, this is the amazing reality about our Christ. He is so in his pain, in his suffering, yet so clear on what he wants to do. He uses words that comes into the gospel 104 times. Truly, I tell you. You guys have read that, eh? Whenever Jesus speaks, he says, truly, I tell you. Verily, I say to you. So for the 104th time, Jesus says, truly, I want to tell you something. And if you go and study that word, who knows what it means? Anyone want to give it a try? It's the word amen. He's saying, amen. And in our reduced, maybe English version of it, it means, let it be so. But it's much deeper than that. What he says is, I'm going to say something that you can trust. I'm going to say something that has an effect. I'm going to say something that carries power and weight and has a fruition waiting for it to be done. So let me start by responding to your prayer, sinner, with amen. Isn't that amazing? This sinner was crying out to Jesus. And Jesus starts by saying, amen. Today you will be with me in paradise. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 comes to mind. For no matter how many promises God has made, doesn't matter how many he's made, and he's made so many, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I'm going to give you a double assurance that you will be with me in paradise. You know what I found interesting? Is that the sinner who was mocking Jesus didn't realize that he was hanging between two evangelists. <laughs> Both Jesus and the other sinner was trying to point him to the kingdom. But he just wanted to get off the cross. Just like so many wanted the Messiah to just throw over the rulers of Rome and restore the kingdom to Israel. Even his own disciples thought, you know what, when, when following Jesus, uh, when, when that comes, when the Messiah is here, oh, all this hardship in life will just be over and we can get off our, our, our pedestals of pain, our moments of pain. And both Jesus and the sinner responded, says, no, there's a kingdom. But this kingdom is a kingdom of double assurance. I hope that when you leave here today, if you sing that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, and if you sang it here this morning, that you leave these doors with a double assurance that you are saved. John 3 verse 16 makes it clear that whomsoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. Can we stand up when the enemy accuses us and says, are you sure you're saved? To say, you know what, I've got a double assurance because of what Jesus has done on the cross. I belong to him and he belongs to me and I am part of a kingdom, as Eliana prayed this morning, that cannot 
be shaken. The second thing that we find in Jesus' response is not just a double assurance of salvation, but the instant assurance of salvation. He said, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's an instant assurance available for those who choose Jesus. There's an instant knowing inside our hearts, inside our spirits, that today is the day of salvation. That when we meet him, and when we are his and he is ours, it's set. We can live in it. We can, we can enjoy it. We can celebrate it. We can sing about it. We can live with the today assurance of salvation. Hebrews 3 verse 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There were two sinners. Both of them heard the voice of Jesus. But the one decided on that day to harden his heart. And the other said, no, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to open it up and let Jesus make me so sure of my salvation. So I want to say to you this morning, church, if you have said, Jesus, remember, you in, remember me in your kingdom and let me be yours, that there's an instant sure assurance of your salvation today. And that Jesus is standing at some hearts this morning and says, yes, today is the day of salvation for you. Enjoy my salvation. Live it in it. And some of us need to, to pray this morning, Lord, restore to us the joy of the salvation of what it was to follow you before. But not only a double assurance of salvation and an instant assurance of salvation, the words of Jesus reveals even more it's about a personal assurance of salvation. See, today you will be with me, with me in paradise. What is Jesus trying to say here? He's saying that salvation, an assurance of salvation, is not an abstract thing. It's not something different than something out there. It's an invitation to be with Jesus. It's an invitation to live with Him, to walk with Him. And like the apostles would say, in Him we live and move and have our being. It is not a ticket to heaven, but it's an invitation to an unbroken union with Jesus. It's a personal invitation. And sometimes we have treated it as something abstract, as something out there. And this morning I believe God is wanting to reinvigorate hearts and awake hearts like we sang this morning to know that this is personal. This sinner got immediately invited into a relationship with Jesus. You know what I love about Jesus and the mystery of the gospel? Jesus didn't then say, okay, cool, now let's just think about this. You want to respond, you want to be in the kingdom, Whew, let's figure this out. Okay, so we're going to ask, ask the Roman soldiers to just get you off that cross quickly, and then we're going to quickly have to find the chariot to take her down to the water, and we've got to get you through the water, and then once you're to the other side, you're going to have to pray all these things and click all these boxes. What I love about Jesus in this moment, he said, you know what, your faith is enough today to be saved. And somehow we've complicated Christianity where we make it in ourselves a box, a ticks of boxes that we've got to do. And yes, there are things that we've got to be faithful to. God said it and we'll do it. We are the joyous recipients of the full story. This man didn't have the full story, but in that moment he had the full grace of Jesus. 
And that's how we should live in this world. Sometimes we want to invite people into the world of loving Jesus, but there's so much that they've got to get through first. There's so many boxes they've got to tick before we can tell them, you know what, you can be sure of this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I was at a braai yesterday, and I was intrigued by the conversation around the fire, as I usually am. It was a colorful conversation, to say the least. <laughs> but later on at that night, it was a birthday party celebrating someone's life. Jesus was so beautifully exclaimed as we thought about our friend's life who turned 40 yesterday. And you know what I love about it? The guy around the bright fire who was so colorful in all his expressions, he never felt like, I've got to just tick some boxes before I can experience Jesus tonight. Jesus was there in our midst to minister to his heart and reach out to him in a profound way. So Jesus was saying, you know what this is all about? It's not about getting into the kingdom. It's not about getting into paradise. It's not about being better than the other guy who's mocking me. He was saying, it's about me. Loving me, being with me, following me. That's what it's all about. Today you will be with me in paradise. And then lastly, Jesus uses the word paradise, which refers to the restorative assurance of salvation. The word paradise is a Persian word, interestingly enough. And it means a park, an enclosed garden. It means Eden. So what Jesus was saying is, hey sinner, let me tell you something. I'm going to make doubly sure that you know that you are saved because of your prayer and you reaching out. So truly, you will. But not just that. I'm not going to let you hang there on the cross and wonder like when and how today. Instantly, this is available to you. Do you know what you'll find on the other side? You'll find me. She says, you know where we're going to live? And where we're going to dwell? Well, let me tell you about this place that my father created right at the beginning. A beautiful place where it was perfect, where there was life, where no one had to strive for their food. No one had to work and sweat to get it. Where there was union, where there was communion, where there was community, where God and man used to dwell together so beautifully. There's a place called paradise. And right in the beginning, the Father and I and the Spirit, we had so much love to share that we wanted to create this place called earth and the cosmos. And we wanted you to live in it, but not just you in paradise, us in paradise. So now I'm hanging on this cross because what we had at the beginning got lost in between. And I'm not going to let you know that, yes, you can be saved, and yes, that it's instant, and yes, that I'm on the other side, but let me tell you what's waiting. We're going to have the best you can even imagine. It's far greater than what eyes can see or ears have heard. Your mind has not yet perceived the things that our Father has created for you. We are stepping into paradise. 
And I don't know how you feel this morning, but sometimes I wish paradise would be here, but I've had to make peace with it that paradise will be there. And in the meantime, I'm going to walk through this life saying, thank you, Jesus, that I can be assured that I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus, that I know that once I follow you, it is instant. I don't have to work to make it happen. Thank you, Jesus, that this is a journey with you. And thank you, Jesus, that I can wait with the expectation that paradise is coming. The story at the end will be the story of the beginning. Revelation 21 makes it so clear. I see a new heavens and a new earth. Tears will be no more. All pain will be gone. All our suffering. And I think what Jesus was saying to this sinner is, I feel your pain now. I'm human just like you. This is hard. It's hard to hang on this cross. It's hard to feel how my muscles are pulling it's hard to feel how life is seeping out of my wounds. I can only imagine how you must feel because you're human too. But you know what? When I close my eyes, I see paradise. I see Eden. I see that place where we will be so perfectly positioned, lacking nothing. So what Jesus was saying to the sinner is, it's a reset. This is your reset moment. Can I encourage our hearts this morning? The Bible teaches about moving on from the fundamentals, the elementary things of our belief. And he mentions quite big stuff like... <laughs> Resurrection and baptism and all these things that we practice. He says, but at some point we've got to move on. You know what I dream of as a church that are doubly sure of their salvation? That we don't have to keep coming back to that same message. Yes, preach the gospel to our souls every day and respond to it. But a church that says, you know what we are called to? We are called to walk out there and tell the world that we live in that there is a paradise waiting. And we're going to take this word of Jesus to the sinners that we find ourselves amongst. So let me tell you about this kingdom. Let me tell you about this Eden. Let me tell you about this place. Can we see these chairs filled with people who strive in this world to find a little bit of heaven on earth? A little bit of paradise in this world. You can have the best paradise in this world. It will still lack if it doesn't have Jesus. It will lack. I'm always intrigued by these stories that you see on TV with all these princes from Saudi and all their money that they get to spend. And then they buy the yachts and they have the parties and they buy the islands and they live the life. But you can see it's never enough. Because inside of us, we need a reset. Because at the beginning, God created us to live in a different world, a different paradise, a perfect place. And that is still the invitation to all of us today. Lord Jesus, thank you that your word is so clear on what you've done on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to make sure that we are sure. 
You want to make sure that our assurance of salvation is clear as day. Lord, there's something that happens inside of a person's heart who just are that sure about their Jesus. So I pray for your church this morning, Lord. Let there be the double assurance that we need. That we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is not by works, but by the greatest work on the cross. Thank you that it's instant, that when we pray and we ask and we believe, your word says that whomsoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. But Jesus, I want to pray really deeply this morning, Lord, that we would know that the assurance of salvation is an invitation to walk with you, to be with you, to not just get off the proverbial cross in our own life of pain and suffering and living our best lives now, Lord. No, to say, Lord, we want to walk with you in your kingdom. We want to let your kingdom come through our lives to a world that so needs it. And Jesus, I pray that we would lift our gaze and our eyes and our hearts and our desire after paradise once again. Lord, that we will not fall into the traps of serving the lesser things of this world and forget to think about the beauty of what's coming. Raise our hearts again to know that paradise awaits for those who cry out to you like the sinner. Jesus, I pray that you would mobilize us this week as your church to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That there's a heaven waiting and that we have the way there and that we can share it with others, Lord. And even if we find ourselves, Lord, with sinners who might sneer or mock, or be arrogant towards your message. May we be like the other sinner who still tries to reach out and evangelize and share the news and the good hope of Jesus with the world. So Lord, I pray that these words of you on the cross would be part of our lives every single day. And as we journey through them, Father, from the Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Until today, we, we said, and we heard, Lord, that you said, truly today you will be with me in paradise. And as we go on next week, Father, may these words of Christ, your final sermon on this earth, Father, grab so hold of our hearts that the world that we live in would change because of it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I want to give an opportunity for anyone here this morning That says, I don't have that double assurance of salvation. Maybe some of you have prayed a prayer of faith in Christ because it was all about getting off the cross. Getting out of the hardship of life. Not about being with him. Stepping into his kingdom. But maybe you can just identify with the sinner that says... Wow, Jesus, remember me today. I see who you are, and I want to accept that fully. And as the eyes are closed here this morning, if you want to respond today and say, I need that assurance, can you just raise your hand just where you're at, just put it up.
Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to raise their hand? Now let me say this. If you've been facing loads of thoughts, questioning your salvation, I want to pray for you too this morning. So that's those of us who have the assurance. But it's been under fire. And we've been doubting. Maybe because of your own mistakes or things you've done, but there's an instant forgiveness available to you this morning. There's an instant restoration. And Jesus wants you to know that. So if you want to respond, will you just put up your hand and say, I need that. I know that I, I have prayed the prayer of salvation, but I want to make sure because of late I'm just being a bit of a battle. I want to pray with you. You can just put up your hand too. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand up this morning as we pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you stand over your word to bring it into fruition and that the promise of God in this moment is amen over each one of us. So let's pray together. Let's say, Jesus Christ, I long to be with you. I long to be part of your kingdom. Thank you that the door is wide open. And today, I choose to step into it. I thank you, Jesus, that it is that simple. To just ask that your kingdom come in my life. I pray right now, Lord, for your voice and your truth, as we've read in your word, to be the defining word over my life. Lord Jesus, give me the strength to resist when I think otherwise. Give me the discipline to open up your word and read your truth when I think otherwise. And teach me, Jesus, to take every thought captive under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thank you for everyone who responded this morning. I pray, Lord, that they'll leave these doors feeling free, feeling liberated, feeling excited about the fact, Lord, that they can walk in the fullness of your kingdom. And Lord, may this be a week where we see many more step into the future promise of paradise that is awaiting us. And we ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Before we go, I want to make it super practical. We've just prayed for us to, to have that double assurance. I love how Jesus was super messy. He didn't look his best on the cross. I mean, a crown of thorns doesn't look so lacquer, does it? You know, there's blood dripping down your face. You've got a hole in your side. You're not living your best life right there. You know, you're not like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. I look good. And yet, in that moment, Jesus still reached out to that person next to him. So what I want, to, I want to ask you very quickly, super practical, is think right now about that person in your life that needs this message this week. I have a prayer board at home. That's great. But if I don't do anything about it, it's just paper on a board. 
unless I say, okay, I need to meet with that person and tell them this great message about Jesus. And I might not look so pretty in this moment. I might not have it all together. I might not be wearing my great robe and having my doctrinal cap on. This guy just said, Jesus, you're on the cross next to me, but yet there's something different about you. You're going through stuff, but there's still something about you. So I want you to think very quickly about that person. Just one, just one. It might be in your house. It might be in your workplace. It might be somewhere else. Um, have you all got one person? Is that cool? Then I want us to pray for that person, okay? I don't know their name, so you're going to have to fill the blank with their name. But I want you to be bold this week about telling someone this message of Jesus because this is the message that brings them to paradise with you. And that's what we want is people to come with us on this journey of faith. So Lord, I thank you for every person here. And I thank you, Father God, for every person that's in their heart and in their mind right now. Father God, I think of family members, Father. I think of colleagues. I think of friends. I think of teachers. I think of students. I think of those that we, we don't know so well, but we have a hunch that they need to know you. Jesus, give us the, the guts. Give us the confidence. And Lord Jesus, just give us the conviction to speak your faith. Father God, we might not have the eloquent words, but your spirit has it in bucket loads. And your spirit, it says in the Bible that you go before us to prepare a way. So we thank you, Lord, that as we are intentional about these people, may you go before us and prepare a way in their hearts. I thank you, Father God, that we would be brave, brave Christians this week who share your gospel and see the fruits of it. We are set in Jesus' name. Amen.